The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Brandon Day Day. Happy Brandon Day Day. <laughs> I'm really I'm really all in on this one now. Yeah, it's funny. It's I, it's it's a good joke. Are you are you game for possibly adjusting your middle name? Uh, well, it would still <laughs> be D. Oh. So, oh, I don't know. Maybe. There you go. Brandon Day Day. Maybe the initials still would work. It's Fantasy NBA Today. He's Brandon. I'm Dan. His last name is Marcus, but we're calling him Day. I'm Dan Bespris. You can follow us on Twitter at Dan Bespris, at BD Marcus. You knew that middle initial was a D already because it's right there in the Twitter handle. Boom. Stands for day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I had to. Uh, it's Wednesday on the show. We've got uh, some games to go over, but we're past the trade deadline. So we can't do buy low, sell high. We're into the playoffs now. So we've already discussed what injured guys you can or can't start. Although I do want to talk about my insane rolls of the dice and how they're going so far. But what we haven't talked about really at all, and I don't think I've even done this on previous years of Fantasy NBA Today, and I flipped it out there on Twitter yesterday, and boy, uh, that got way more traction than I thought it was going to. That's what, That was one of those moments where I was like, you know what, I'm bored, and I am working on these big projects, and it got 95 replies. So, Whoa. yeah, we might as well just talk about it on the podcast, and that is... It's award season for fantasy players. It's award yeah, people season. People love awards. They love awards. They love mock drafts. All that kind of stuff gets a lot of traction. Yeah, you you may have noticed that we did a mock draft on yesterday's podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was Josh's idea, and this was yours. I'm idea-free right now. My brain is a blank slate as I get ready for kid number two here in the next, like, two and a half weeks. I don't have a thought in my head, but luckily... My guests do, and they keep coming on and saying, Dan, I have an idea of what we should do today. And I'm just like, fantastic, because I got nothing. So, <laughs> waiver wire pickup of the year. That's where we're starting on this one. Um, we will also cover, I think we'll go sort of either, we can call it best draft pick or best value play of the year. That'll probably be the two most important ones. There's things like fantasy MVP. If we have time, we'll get to that. I think those are, those are a little bit tougher for me, because... You know, it's generally pretty easy to say James Harden is your fantasy MVP. He's he, he pretty much wins people leagues every year. Uh, but there's you know there's a whole lot of discussion points to be had on that one. Wanted to quickly make mention here at the at the top of the show. Big fat thank you to everybody that keeps reading rating and reviewing the podcast. And shout out to uh, Greg Moraz for the brand new Hoopball Bulls podcast. If you've been waiting for Hoopball to say something about Jim Boylan. You got your your prayers have been answered. So check that out. That's the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. You can follow them at Hoopball Bulls. And we'll talk to Greg here on the podcast in the not too distant future. Brandon, I am literally only hiring former MILB broadcasters at this point. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be more specific, Pioneer League broadcasters as well. Were so. you guys there together at the same time? No, no. Uh, my, your uh, your buddy Steve Went and I were in the Pioneer League at the same time together. Oh, I'm working. I'll work on Steve. He's he'll be my next target. We're getting. I'm getting them all here, man. Anybody that I've come into contact with for any reason in my minor league career, you guys all secretly have a basketball team that you follow. That's the beauty of it. You yeah. host our our Clippers podcast, which you I mean, you're pulling guests out of all sorts of av- avenues. Didn't you have like a Houston local radio guy on last time? I did. I did. Adam Spolane, who covers the team for uh, Houston Sports Radio 610, came on to uh, break down the Rockets' loss to the Clippers. And how did you know him? He and I were in the Pioneer League Look at together. that. Look at that. Look <laughs> at that. All right. Let's do it. Let's do waiver wire pickup of the year. So I didn't, I didn't tally them up, but of the 95 responses, I would say that the overwhelming favorite was Devontae Graham. I think... I don't know. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you agree with that selection as number one? Yeah, I think it's up there. I mean, you, you we really have probably three candidates, and one of which you poo-pooed on every single time someone responded with it, and that was Rashawn Holmes, who was a free agent in both of my leagues, by the way. 
your league is pretty much full of people who digest hoop ball every two seconds. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that's why he was taken. But if we're going to go just based on that, then it's probably Rashawn Holmes overall in all leagues. But since you're poo-pooing on it, then yeah, I think I think it really does come down to a two-horse race of Devontae Graham and Daniel Tice. And once you know it, they're ranked 77 and 78. So they're right next to each other. It's it's close. It's really close. It depends. Um, you and I were talking briefly yesterday on Twitter. I said to you, it really does depend on the format because Daniel Tice is a guy that I've had, I think, two or three times in my head-to-head league, and I've dropped him because, A, he's gotten hurt several different times, and, B, he's been inconsistent because there will be weeks where Cantor ends up being great and Tice takes a backseat to him, and then there will be weeks where it's Tice's turn, and it's very frustrating as a head-to-head person. But with Roto, you can sit on that, and the ebbs and flows end up going as per normal. I mean, that's just something you're used to happening. So Tice is a better guy in Roto formats, where I think Graham is probably better head-to-head-wise. Yeah, I'm inclined to give the nod to Graham as well. So I feel like maybe our goal on today's podcast is to argue the opposite side. Let's just play devil's advocate. I hope everybody's paying attention to what I'm saying right now, because if somebody like is drifting off or almost got in a car accident and... You, you just pay attention after this sentence. You're going to think, why are these guys clobbering Devontae Graham so much? We're, we're not. He's probably the waiver wire pickup of the year. I, I don't, I don't want to say that it's necessarily a guarantee, but he's probably the choice. Because his big downturn, and this is pretty much what you were saying, Brandon, is the, the reason that he might not get the nod is that he averages three turnovers a game. Um, he has his field goal percentage issues, obviously. He's the worst in the NBA in impact in that in that category but even in roto you know 18 points almost eight assists three and a half three pointers and a steal a game you just don't find that on the waiver wire and he's played in 62 ball games he's been to this point pretty damn durable as well so I think our goal here is to find the other candidates who are the other candidates and we'll make arguments for them so let me grab one that I think is going to really boggle people's minds and he only got one vote in all of the replies that came in yesterday on my on my Twitter feed, and that is... Can I guess? Yeah, please guess. Duncan Robinson. No, he actually got a couple, but he's definitely on the list of, of guys. That's another good oh. one. Okay. By, by totals, this guy that I'm about to list is actually ranked 15 slots in front of Devontae Graham. He's only played two more games than Graham has, so it's not, uh, it's not like the durability thing has been a big deal. And he has... Yeah. A uh, and he has a doll shaped like Marvin Bagley that he's been putting pins in since the first day of the season, and that's Nemanja Bjelica, who uh, I didn't even think you were going there. Right? Okay, he's he wasn't drafted anywhere, was he? No, no, I don't think so. And people hey. really don't like this one, but he's at twelve points, six and a half rebounds, three assists, two three pointers, almost a steal, half a block. Uh, good both percentages, 47.5 and 82, and only 1.5 turnovers. He's actually been good. He's been, any, been anywhere from serviceable to good in basically all nine categories, except maybe scoring. Yeah, you know what's funny about these, by the way, is that the only player that doesn't pop up in my mentions in terms of should I add player X and drop player Y is Devontae Graham. Because you'll see time and time again, people are like, should I add Tice? Should I add Bielitsa? Mm-hmm. And it, it's that's why it kind of, we're skewed towards Graham as being the waiver wire guy of the year. But Bielitsa is an interesting one. And yeah, I mean, he really has had a role for a long time now. I mean, the fact that he's averaging damn near 29 minutes per game and 12 points, a couple of threes, six and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, half a block, 48% almost, 82% from the line. I mean, that's really, really good. And if you look overall at Bielitsa, I mean, in the last two months, he's at 72. So he's right where you would want him to be. He's struggled recently, but that's because Rashawn Holmes is back. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn good. You can't expect much production. I mean, a top 75 guy that you can grab off waivers, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's the whole year now. I mean, he's played 64 ball games. That's tied for the second highest number in the league. He's been... He's been there every game, which is, as we've talked about before, that's the 10th category now is durability. Uh, that's that's my argument for uh, my first submission for non-Devante. Who's your first submission for non-Devantes? 
Uh, I'm going to go Duncan Robinson. I liked that one. As soon as you said it, I was like, I really hope he doesn't pick this one so I can go back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going Duncan Robinson, a guy that can go ahead and hit eight threes in a game. I played against him last last week in a head-to-head matchup, and I think he had like 25 or so threes in the week. Mm. So he single-handedly, I mean, I beat him in three somehow, but he single-handedly kept it close because of Duncan Robinson. I mean, averaging four threes per game and he's shooting 47%. I mean, that is bonkers. And you don't get that very often. And one guy that can basically win you a category, you don't find that very often on the waiver wire. So I'm going Duncan Robinson. No, you're right. And by the way, he did that in only three games. He's hit yeah. nine, eight, and seven threes in his last three games in a row. That's 24 threes in three ball games. Crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, and then the, the nine threes also, he was like nine of 15 or something like that. I mean, it's, I'm making that up, but it, it was a really good percentage. <laughs> it was actually 9 of 12. It was better. Uh, there you go. Even better. 8 of 14, 7 of 11. So he's hit 24, and he's shooting like 60% on three-pointers in that stretch. That's actual. That's insane. He, I believe he's having, I believe, and someone might be able to correct us on this on uh, on Twitter, I believe he's having an historically prevalent three-point shooting season uh, for a second-year player. I don't think yeah. that anyone's ever hit this many threes this fast before. I'm also curious what the highest average of threes per game has been over the last several years. Uh, I think it's because that, that's pretty good, almost near four threes a game. I don't remember somebody being that close to it. I think Steph uh, was the only one who eclipsed that mark when he had the five three-pointer season uh, yeah. before KD came to, to Golden State. Right. Apart from Steph, I mean, you could think of a guy maybe like Kyle Korver in his heyday. Um, but they but, just didn't take as many back then. Right. Exactly. Back then, like seven years ago. <laughs> World. I know. It's really it's really getting up there. All right. Here's my here's my next submission. And this one with a I'm going to blow a kiss to the great Mike Pasador, our very own panda, uh, the the leader of our fantasy operation at Hoopball. And that's Norman Powell, who's been hurt. I think that's the only knock on him. This is his third injury this year. Uh, it was hamstring. It was finger. Now it's ankle. He's been a top 60 per game guy when he's been on the floor, and I don't think he was drafted anywhere. In fact, of all of these waiver wire guys, I think he has the best. Well, no, Rashawn will have the best per game numbers, but I, I might still argue that he wasn't a waiver wire guy in, in a lot of my spots. Even in my super competitive leagues, Norman Powell was not drafted. And he uh, is number 55 on a per-game basis. Obviously takes a very big knock on the totals because he's only played in 44 games at this point. He's outside the top 100 there. But 16.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2 assists, almost 1.5 steals, 2 threes on over 50% shooting from the field and 84 from the free throw line. You know I love percentages and defensive stats and he's at 1.7 combined defensive stats and uh, two of the one of the very few people in the league that's averaging uh, over 50 and over 83 at field goal and free throw. I, I'm not I have a little trouble, Brandon, arguing that he is the waiver wire pickup of the year because of how many games he's missed. But damn, he is in a roto games cap format, a really close one at the top. And he may have just won me my league last week because I was up by a half a game with two weeks to play. And he ended up single-handedly getting player of the week and really lifting my team. And he's the reason why I came back and won in threes. I was down by two threes going into that final game. How good was he last week before he got hurt? Unbelievable. And then I ended up dropping him for Derek White after he got hurt. That's a good Uh, pickup, though, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Derek White looked good yesterday. My team is based very much on field goal percentage, rebounds, and blocks. So it was a good pickup for White to help kind of build on that. But uh, it's that also is my quick trigger where people are were waiting, kind of seeing what the diagnosis is. I texted you and I said, I don't trust Toronto's medical staff. I, I just don't to give us the actual information about when he's going to come back. And he plays three games in two weeks and White plays four. So that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I mean, when a guy can wing you a single week by himself, then he deserves recognition. So I'm very much okay with Norman Powell. And it's funny because he wasn't this good at UCLA, but he has really taken the scoring load on ever since Van Fleet got hurt. And that team's loaded, man. They're yeah. going to be really good next year, too. 
um, if they're able to keep everybody. I know when we were talking about during the offseason that they don't really have anybody signed through the next couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Norman Powell. Yeah, they gave Lowry that one-year extension, which was sort of odd. It almost feels like they'll try to trade him potentially next year as an expiring. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, but that actually gives... I feel like that gives ups, uh, Powell even more upside going into the future. I was just looking at the, the numbers here. Guys in the NBA that are shooting 50% or higher from the field and... We can even say 80% or higher from the free throw line. It's a pretty slim number. Uh, It's Anthony Davis, who's at 51 and 85. It's John Collins in Atlanta, who's at 59 and 80. He just clears the the free throw threshold. Nikola Jokic, 53 and 81. And then you're you're moving pretty far at that point. You're looking for guys that are 50 and 80. I'm going to give Chris Middleton the nod, by the way. He's at 49.9% from the field and 91 free throw. So he's in that mix. Uh, And and I'm I'm probably going to miss somebody. Rashawn Holmes, 65 and 80 is another name on that list. And then you basically get to Norman Powell. Well, yeah. And then if you remember, we were in the offseason. We were talking about a certain guy that had 50, 90, and 50, 40, 90. And that was Malcolm Brogdon. And he got this huge role and he was great until the last couple of months when he got hurt and his role kind of was getting uh, murky. But that gives you an idea of somebody that could be a breakout candidate next year, somebody mm-hmm. like Norman Powell. Uh, shout out, by the way, to DeMar DeRozan and Gordon Hayward. Those are the two 50-80 guys that I left out that are uh, nestled up close to Norman Powell in the in the overall rankings. Regardless, there aren't that many. And when you find them, they're almost always inside the top 50. And that's that's the lesson to be learned here. You might find some ultra low usage guy who's doing it, you know, in the top 75 or top 100, but you could generally wipe them off the board because there's just no impact to what they're doing there. I think like I think Mikhail Bridges is a 50 80 guy, but he takes what five and a half shots a game. That's not I mean, that's great, but, you know, he's not it's not really impacting anything. All right, your turn. Who's your next submission for this guy? Let's go from deep again. Let's go with Davis Perton. Date Thomas Bryant goes out. Bertans goes in. Mo Wagner goes out. Bertans goes in. This guy's averaging over 15 points per game. Damn near four threes a game, just like my fella Duncan. He's getting four and a half rebounds, about 1.3 combined steals and blocks. Field goal percentage not as good, 43%, but free throw percentage, 85%. And this is somebody that will have games where he'll go eight for 15 from three and basically eight for 15 from the fields. And so I'm going Davis Bertans, who's currently ranked by mine 62. I'm not sure where he is on yours. Uh, Yeah, where the hell did he go? Yeah, 62 for me as well. Um, I can't argue with you on that one. I, my only argument there is that he was drafted in a few of my spots, not all of them. I think, was it Matt Smith? A basketball monster that had him on some boards, and so that got him drafted a little bit. One of the one of those guys. I can't remember which one. I could go back to my mock draft episodes and figure out which team had him uh, from the beginning of the year. But yeah, he was fantastic, and it was really only injury that derailed him a little bit. He was rolling and then missed whatever it was three weeks, and he hasn't really quite seemed the same since coming back. I, you know, is it just that they're he came back to a team that was then you know mostly healthy? But yeah. tough to argue with, you know, top 65 production when he's been on the floor. He's been good all year. I want to do one more guy, and you mentioned him, so I, I think we can do quickly, and then I want us to touch on um, the draft pick of the year award. Or I guess we could save that for next week. I mean, we've, you know what, let's save that for next week. We'll tease that one. We'll do draft pick of the year on next week's episode. So let's let's get a couple more waiver wire options in there. You mentioned yeah. him already, so I feel like I do need to talk about my guy, Daniel Tice, who I realize is definitely a more intriguing roto pickup because uh, a decent amount of his value is is tied up in the fact that he never turns the ball over his percentages are anywhere from uh, very good in field goal to fine for a center in free throw at 77 and then he just sort of, you know he does sort of like a little bit of everything without really hurting you in too many spots he's been better lately and when i say lately i mean like basically after the first month and a half of the year there is those there are those fluctuations where he gets a little dinged up, misses a game or two, and then you know is kind of rusty coming back, and the minutes are held in check. But overall, now he's at seventy seven on a per game basis, uh, and and better than that over the last couple of months. I just 
I love this guy in Roto. He's been a fantastic addition. He's inside the top 50 over the last month on 62% from the field, 91% at the free throw line over the last month, 13.5 points, 8 rebounds, 1.5 assists, half a steal, a block, less than a turnover, and for good measure, he flipped in half a three-pointer per game. Uh, Largely not what you're adding him for, but he's just been... Rock solid, and he's playing 28 minutes a game over that stretch. I I mean, this is a guy that if he had stayed healthy all year, could have been a top 50 dude, and I just, I feel like he gets overlooked because of those little fluctuations and because of the low turnovers, but he's been fantastic lately. Yeah, and he's a guy that really doesn't hurt you in spots, like you were saying. I mean, in a game like yesterday would be huge in a league. So the his ability to hit threes and shoot from, high percentage and get you points and rebounds and blocks and steals. It's you, you can't find many who contribute across the board. And he is somebody that does that. There you go. All right, Brandon, one more submission on your end. I'll put you back on the hot seat and then we'll, uh, we'll put a pin in this one. This is, this is fun. I, I think we've hit most by the way of the guys that, that came our way on Twitter. Uh, but if you don't say the guy that that's getting all of this Twitter attention, I might flip him in there before we, uh, before we postpone the rest of our discussion. How about, and I'm only saying this guy because he wasn't drafted in my league, and, and I understand he's a little bit lower than others, but how about Alfred Payton? Oh, gross. <laughs> I, I, I know. It, it's gross. and It's funny because I was looking at to see where some of these guys were uh, added in my leagues like very early on, and I, got a, I saw Spencer Dinwiddie, who was uh, $1 in one of my leagues and then dropped, and somebody added him pretty quickly. So you could throw him kind of in the mix because he was somebody that I'm th- I think was dropped early on and then added. Um, you and I also, I mean, I also saw Christian Wood discussed on Twitter. Yeah, that was the one I wanted to talk about before we're done. Yeah, uh, so I'll leave that one for you because I think Wood's a good one. Um, Alfred Payton, more of like the streaming type guy where he's helped and assists and steals and he's gotten points and in leagues that, I mean, obviously his percentages have been terrible, but it's more of a head-to-head play where he's been able to win a couple categories. So, I mean, he he's there. I don't think I'm going to nominate him. I think the final guy I'm going to say is uh, DiVincenzo, who's oh, in the top 100, is getting the usage now when it matters with Giannis out in the playoffs starting. Another guy that doesn't really hurt you too much. His field goal percentage at 46% is not bad. And he's he does it all, gets a lot of steals, free throw percentage, solid threes. So I'm going to say DiVincenzo. He's like Daniel Tice with steals instead of blocks. Yeah. All right, I can't argue with that because if I love Tice, I kind of have to love DiVincenzo, right? Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Indeed. All right, fair enough. I accept your submission, and now I want to talk about Christian Wood because uh, people on Twitter are saying he's the waiver wire pickup of the year. I just... And I I feel like people are going to misinterpret what I say here. This happens far too often where I say something negative, partially negative and partially positive, and people hear precisely what they want to hear so please people please don't hear what you want to hear hear exactly what i say christian wood cannot be the waiver wire pickup of the year because he's only going to be good be good for the final eight weeks of the season that's the only head-to-head pickup of the year because he is going to win people leagues and head-to-head yeah waiver wire playoff waiver wire playoff pickup of the year might be christian wood (laughs) yeah correct i mean there's a league where i was in sixth place and since i've gotten wood and marquis chris I've launched myself up to second. Yeah, those guys have been real good lately. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Christian Wood. He's going to be awesome here down the stretch. He's going to be a top 50 guy uh, from the trade deadline to the end of the year, but that's only two of the six months. So he can't be. You need the body of work to get the full season. You know, this. it's the, it's the Zion versus John ja Morant argument. Can you play two months and win an award? And my answer is no. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it's possible that if the Pelicans get in the playoffs and Memphis doesn't, then you can consider it because the reason why they're in is because of Zion. I think that's the only way you could possibly consider it. Yeah, and I make the I'll make a similar argument for for Christian Wood. I'm happy if he wins people leagues. Uh, he's going to be extremely useful. But if you sat on him for three months leading up to the trade deadline, you sat on a dead roster spot. That's yeah. that's hard to stomach. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, it might be worth it. I mean, you, in your mind, you could just call it like an injury stash, but I also hate doing that for three months. So whatever it is. He's been great, and, and we're not taking anything away from that. I just I don't think he can win this completely made-up, fabricated 
podcast award we're giving out because he's only going to be good for eight out of 25 weeks. And that's that. This is an important award, Dan. Yeah, it's I an know. important award. This is, this is like, you see these, the, a lot of shows get into these discussions like this about awards. And then for me, I have this weird, I, I can't fully suspend my disbelief for the entirety of a podcast and just think, why is what these guys, why is what these guys are talking about important in any way? It's just fun. So when yeah. we get to this, it's like, why are we yelling about Christian Wood? I stopped myself and said, it doesn't really matter, but we're just having a little fun. And he can't win our fake award, so screw you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wood has made a difference in a lot of leagues since the trade deadline. Oh, so yeah. he, he's a massive winner. He's the biggest winner from the trade deadline if you want to give him that award. Uh, but overall for the season, like you said, it's a dead roster spot for quite some time. Devontae so. Graham or Nemanja Bialica? It's a weird, it's a weird world we're in right now, and yet Indeed. underappreciated. Nemanja Bialica just been good all year. He and his voodoo doll. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Day Day. Uh, happy Day Day to you. Happy Day Day. <laughs> I'm having, I'm really enjoying this. I will talk to you on Monday. Yes, I will talk to you on Monday. See you later, buddy. Bye. That was our buddy, Brandon Marcus. A big thank you to Brandon, as always. Once again, you can follow him on Twitter at BDMarcus, one of the really special editions we've had this year at HoopBall on uh, both the fantasy side and the host of the HoopBall Clippers podcast. Let's run through some of this other stuff a little bit on the quicker side. Box scores to break down from an action-packed nine-game Tuesday. We got a lot to review there. And then our daily check-in. On streaming stuff, and if you've been paying attention to this point, you know we're probably not doing anything today. Probably. Right? We got to this point by mostly loading up. The moves that we were going to make were possibly yesterday, but preferably even tomorrow or Sunday. A couple of yesterday, as we mentioned, we veered in the direction of Brooklyn and Boston and then a little bit of Chicago as well. But most of what we were doing, we were trying to save for later in the week, barring the folks that, as we mentioned before, were streaming starting last week. But we'll get to that in a minute. First, a look at the box scores from a Tuesday night. Frank Delakina had one of those crazy wake-up games, and Alfred Payton had the pee-down-his-leg game that we knew was in the tank somewhere. He continues to be more of a specialist than anything else. I know that Listen, I've, I've given Alfred my, my share of a tough time this year. And for that, I apologize because, you know, I don't, I don't know that he deserves my, my ire in the way that I've given it to him. And I do have him on a team in one spot. But, you know, he's outside the top 130 for a reason. And it's that he does some things well, assisting, rebounding for a point guard, steals, and he does some things very poorly, both percentages, three-pointers, turnovers, scoring, and it hurts you. And then these bad games are really, really bad. But anyway, you move on from that. He's the starting point guard. I'm sure he'll be fine in the next one. Just really feels like an opportunity was left on the table here against that Washington defense. Anyway, Nilakina woke up. You're not buying into that. Bobby Portis has actually been taking a lot of shots off the bench lately. Mitchell Robinson played, which was another thing we were watching, but he was under the weather or was a little bit dinged up for this ball game. So maybe that's why it was a, a less impressive one. Portis is not a guy you're glomming onto a nine cat. He does have a little bit of points league value because he's chucking. But otherwise, this Knicks team remains fairly predictable and relatively uninspiring. Washington side, Bradley Beal had 40, although I uh, I saw on Twitter that they were adjusting it back to 39. I don't know about that. It doesn't matter either way. But the, the real story here is that Thomas Bryant got up to 24 minutes, which puts him back on the radar for fantasy startable. And Shabazz Napier had a second good ball game in a row. The question really was with him, did that last game kind of wake him up to get to do stuff with the starting unit? And the answer, at least in the short term, is yeah. And they have a really good schedule coming up. They got four games next week and the week after that. And it's all crammed into that stretch we talked about that starts actually on Sunday of this week. But if you want, you could make the move on Friday, you're not doing it today, you're not doing it tomorrow because they have two days off here. And if somebody else makes that move on the streaming side, they've shot themselves in the foot by passing up on a ball game. But Shabazz, if he's still on your wire, Friday, Sunday, Monday, right? They have the back-to-back over the weekend, which is really nice if you've got the playoffs keep rolling like that. And then they have four games 
through Saturday next week, and then they have four games again Monday through Saturday the week after that. So they provide you an opportunity to just keep holding on to guys, or if you really need to, you can bail out on that Sunday and, and move on and try to maximize games. So they have a really interesting playoff schedule starting on Friday of this week, so keep a close watch on that. Rui Hachimura bounced back a little bit, but I still don't like his nine-category game, and we'll just go ahead and uh, leave him on the table. Boston beat Indiana on the road. Big ones from Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Daniel Tice, one of my favorites, the oft-overlooked Daniel Tice, who's just had a wonderful fantasy season. He's number 77 on a per-game basis. He's inside the top 75 by totals. He's played in 58 games so far this year. Vastly underrated fantasy player less than one turnover a game on top of everything else fun that he's done this year just a, just a wonderful pickup one of the best waiver wire pickups of the year that just doesn't get talked about at all and we crushed that one indiana side nice to see victor oladipo starting to look like himself a little bit this is as as oladipo as he's looked at any point this year that's a great sign if this is him starting to wake up a little Miles Turner continues his late-season push with 16-8 and eight and five defensive stats. His recent run has really catapulted him. He's now all the way up to number 53 on the year in 9-cat. He might get inside the top 50 before this season's done. Been a top 35 guy the last month. So that's working out okay. Justin Holiday is, as per usual, the better of the holidays, but I don't know that you really want to use either of them right now. And we'll move on to the next one because he ain't moving, he ain't changing anything with these two teams. Chicago beat Cleveland. I, I really think Andre Drummond is a net negative for the Cavaliers right now. I know that they're playing harder as a team, but his turnovers and bad foul shooting are a giant, gaping, disgusting hole in that team's offense. He's just coughing it up left and right. How do you have six turnovers? You're the center. Six turnovers and two assists. That's bad. Larry Nance is trucking, man. Six out of six field goal shooting in this game. I know he missed a couple of free throws, but I really don't care. He's up to number 82 on the year now. Lurry time. Colin Sexton's been better lately. They are playing harder under J.B. Bickerstaff, who got an extension. So kudos, I guess. He woke him up. Kevin Porter, concussion. He's the guy you're keeping an eye on on this team. When he comes back, see how he looks. He's probably going to be a bit loopy and woozy. So it's possible that they might he might not really ever get up to where he needs to be the rest of this year. But if he gets close, he's a guy that could see some time down the stretch because I don't think they want to play Matthew Dellavedova 34 minutes a game. Zach Levine's been ruled out for a couple of ball games. I think they said he he said he's hoping to be back within the week, which means it's close, so that's good. In the meantime, Shaq Harrison is a fantasy dynamo. And he probably would have done more if he hadn't picked up five fouls in this game. But eight points, ten boards, four assists, a steal, three blocks. There are very few players in the NBA that pick up steals and blocks as fast as he does. So just ride it as long as you can at this point. And they have a good schedule this week. Still three more games uh, going Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a fantastic grab if you were able to get him yesterday for the four remaining games. Otto Porter only played, I think, nine first-half minutes, but he saw more action in the second half. I might have misread that, and uh, he was solid again. Larry Markinen played 27 minutes, and he was fine, if unspectacular. And things are starting to look the way they should. Kobe White got the start in this ballgame, but had nine turnovers as the starting point guard. Tomas Sadoransky is now likely a drop with the Kobe White stuff. I'm, I'm really interested to see who gets shifted to the second unit when Levine comes back. If it's Valentine, you might just keep riding with Harrison. He could end up being one of those weird streamer-type pickups that actually holds on to some value. And with that defensive upside, I don't see how you can make a preemptive drop there. He's just too interesting. Daniel Gafford had three blocks off the bench. They're spreading the wealth around a little bit in this game. They needed the... Uh, I think they got a, a little run out of the reserve, so that might have been why you see the, the minutes discombobulated a little bit, but they did get the win. Whatever the hell that's worth. Orlando beat Memphis on the road. They're playing well right now. Michael Carter-Williams had 20 on nine shots off the bench. Where the hell did that come from? Aaron Gordon nearly triple-doubled. This weird point Gordon thing has really worked out nicely for him. Evan Fournier is hoping to be back in about two weeks, but that's probably too late for most of you in playoff formats. Everybody else, you can just sort of sit and hang on. 
And otherwise, things are fairly predictable. We figured DJ Augustine would take a step back. 16-4 and four isn't terrible, but it's not going to get it done on the fantasy side. His minutes were a little lower. Markel Fultz was okay, but with this team, really, it's Vooch, Gordon, lately, because he has thrust himself into fantasy value. And then Terrence Ross is your flame-throwing three-point guy who somehow lucked his way into a couple of blocks in this ballgame, but otherwise, yeah. Jonas Valanciunas missed some free throws, but otherwise he just hammed all over Orlando. 27-16, a steal and a block. He's ended up with a really nice season. JV 48 uh, on a per-game basis. I believe he's inside the top 30 on a totals element. D'Anthony Melton still not doing much on the usage front, but he did have 7-7-6, seven, seven, so there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Gorgie Jang got some stuff, but only played 15 minutes, so he's out Jaron Jackson Jr. is hoping to be back later this week. So that'll completely kill Gorgie Jang. I think it'll probably kill Kyle Anderson as well. I'm curious if Melton continues to start and play decent minutes because he's right on that borderline right now. Just need a tiny bit more usage. Just get a little bit more involved. I still like him right now. He's playing well at the moment. I just... Man, it's tough, to, it's tough to say that this is a guy that needs to be started because every once in a while he completely vanishes. But he's doing more than just steals right now. He's getting assists. He's getting rebounds. He's not scoring much. It's a question mark. It's a question mark for sure. But it's something to consider. Probably more a streamer type. I mean, really, when you nail it right down to it. San Antonio got LaMarcus Aldridge back and waged a large comeback in the first game without DeJounte Murray, Derek White showed why everybody was so high on him when he was the only point guard on this team, and he went crazy. Could very well be a league winner down the stretch now with Murray out. White played 35 minutes at 14, 7, and 9 with two steals and four blocks. I mean, he could be a top 40 guy down the stretch. Like, this is, this is an unbelievable pickup if you were able to scoop him or if you were sitting on him and just hoping that eventually things would break his way. I don't know if this is what you thought was going to happen, but you got yourselves a freaking steal. He's going to clobber. There's almost no way he doesn't. Trey Lyles still played 32 minutes. That was a little bit surprising. And given what we saw in this game, I, I guess you can say he probably still keeps going. I thought for sure he was cooked with Aldridge coming back. But 32 minutes is enough for him to have fantasy value. He did grab all of the rebounds, and Aldridge was sort of not involved in that element. LaMarcus had 24 points and only two boards, but three steals and four blocks, so hard to argue with that performance from uh, Aldridge coming back from the shoulder thing. Maybe he just didn't want to go get banged around by the bucket, get his shoulder knocked. In any event, if Lyles is going to keep playing 32 minutes, you can keep him on your roster. You don't have to abandon ship as quickly as I thought you might. But damn, congrats if you're on Derek White. That one's panning out nicely in a wild and fortunate twist, but sometimes you got to get lucky. D'Angelo Russell played well for Minnesota. James Johnson continues to do a ton in not a ton of minutes. He and Nas Reed split the center minutes in this ballgame. You figured that J.J. would have the better opportunity here against the very small Houston team, and sure enough, he took advantage of it. Nas Reed was in foul trouble early. He never really got it going, although you did like to see the 5 out of 8 shooting, and he probably, I guess you could still, ah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right on the fence with both of those guys. Really, they're both streamers, and they're a little bit specialisty. Reed is a little more specialisty than Johnson. Johnson does a little bit of everything, but I don't know that you can count on him to do a little bit of everything every night. Although lately, to his credit, he has. So, I, you know, you can sort of use both of them when they're playing high-scoring teams. And then freak out a little when they're not. Juancho Hernan Gomez double-doubled, but I, we've been down this road before. I'm not a big fan of his fantasy game. And Malik Beasley should bounce back. For Houston, P.J. Tucker woke up in the, for the first time in God knows how long. And, and that meant that everybody else in those weird wing spots was done. I, I think you can really move on from all of them. Harden, Westbrook, Covington, and that's it. Don't screw around beyond that. For Phoenix, Dario Saric got going in this one. I know it was still the same kooky, no DeAndre Ayton lineup, but uh, Sharch making a case to hold on to his power forward minutes. 
And then everything else was relatively expected. Aaron Baines slowed down after some gigantor games. Devin Booker was fine. Ricky Rubio has been playing well lately. And uh, with Cam Johnson out with Mono, he'll be out for a little bit. Ubre's out for a while. Aiden's the only piece that could change here. And it looks like he would just come back in, take Baines' minutes, and presumably Dario Saric would stick at power forward and just sort of be back to what he was before, which is not really taking enough shots to be relevant. The way he's relevant here is he's getting some center minutes, and that bumps the rebounds up a little bit. Portland's a damn predictable fantasy team. Dame, Hassan, CJ, Ariza are over the cut line in 9-cat. Mello had a better game because he got some defensive stats, but generally he's below the 9-category cut line. Brooklyn, they've uh, adjusted their playing time a little bit here. We talked about it before. DeAndre Jordan is now the uh, getting the center, the starting center minutes. Wilson Chandler is their power forward. Torian Prince is off the bench. It's just generally ugly outside of high-usage Karis LeVert. Hopefully Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis don't kill your percentages on their way to whatever popcorn stats they're getting. And then DeAndre Jordan is over the cut line now as a starter, regardless of what happens on a game-to-game basis. And uh, Lakers, I don't think we really need to talk about. Dwight Howard was out, so JaVale McGee played a few extra minutes, and if you really want to take a chance, he could see more playing time. That's fine, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life on it. And then the Clippers decided they were going to take the Warriors somewhat seriously, and they didn't really have to. Kai Bowman got hurt on the Golden State side. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson left after 50 seconds. And a beat-up team got even more beat-up. The Warriors are hoping to get Draymond Green and Steph back in the next game or two. So that would obviously change things a little bit. But they're, they're an ugly situation right now. I mean, there's just nobody. They're all t- practically all 10-day contracts at this point. I thought maybe with Lou Williams out for the Clippers, you might see a little bit more out of their guard rotations. And maybe you would have if this game wasn't as non-competitive as it was. You know, you saw Patrick Beverly got to do a tiny bit more in this one with new, no Lou Williams. Marcus Morris did a little bit more. Just having one of those guys out, it's amazing when there's like five dudes that need to score to be fantasy relevant, and to be able to just lop off 20% of that and distribute it among the other guys. Well, Kawhi and Paul George are already basically maxed out on a night-to-night basis. So when Lou Will goes down, they don't really take a ton extra. That generally gets distributed among... You know, the third, fourth, other, fifth options, that type of stuff. And so we saw a little bit of that in this ballgame, but kind of inconclusive on on what it would do going forward in a more competitive ballgame or how long Williams is, is going to be out anyway. Quickly, let's look at the Wednesday card. Only six games here. Detroit is in Philadelphia. Sounds like the Sixers might get Josh Richardson and or Joel Embiid back for this game, so that is definitely worth monitoring and what that would do to the playing time and usage of recent streaming superstar Shake Milton. You have to assume he takes a hit. There's just, like, you can hope, you can go pie in the sky and just hope he continues to hang on to a big job, but he's going to take a hit. Everybody does, because Embiid takes 20 shots a game. Richardson's not a high-usage guy, and with the concussion stuff, he's probably not going to be himself, But that's also going to take stuff away. Detroit side, Bruce Brown is questionable. Brandon Knight expected to play. I'm very curious what's going to happen with those two guys when they're both healthy. And then I'm even more curious what's going to happen to those guys if Luke Kennard or Derrick Rose ever show up again the rest of the way. John Henson is out, which means Thon Maker might be worth a stream on this team. They have a few uh, unreliable but living fantasy options on the Detroit side. Charlotte. I don't really care about the uh, Martin brothers, Caleb and Cody Martin. They're starting to make a little bit of noise, but you know how I feel about this fantasy team. Miami, they're fairly well set. Sounds like Jay Crowder might be back, so that'll mess things up a little bit for a couple of guys that got a few extra stuff when he was out. We don't know what Jimmy Butler's deal is. He's questionable at the moment, so that could kick things back to all those guys. We've hit a point in Miami, and we did we hit this point a long time ago, where I just felt like it wasn't even really worth dabbling in all the other stuff when one guy's out or two guys are out. I mean, you can you can throw these guys on and off your waiver wire, but there's better options out there. Knicks are on the back-to-back in Atlanta. We just talked about them. 
because they played on Tuesday night. For the Hawks, I guess we have a pretty good feel for this. They should put up a ton of points against a bad Knicks team. Dwayne Dedman, John Collins, Trey Young, those are guys that are in for me. The Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter trio. <laughs> it's like a jazz group. I'm not totally sold. Utah, there's nothing. Oklahoma City, there's nothing. Denver, there's basically nothing, although, you know, we're still waiting to kind of find out what the Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant timeshare thing is going to look like. Dallas played last night. No Seth Curry in yesterday's ball game. Still waiting on a report on whether or not he'll play in the next one when he's out. That means Tim Hardaway Jr. gets all the shots he can handle. They just load up on buckets. That makes him very fantasy relevant, but you'll have to watch the Seth Curry news to make sure. New Orleans at Sacramento. Rashawn Holmes should see some more action in this one. New Orleans is very predictable. And my only question on the Kings side is, can Nemanja Bielitsa continue to hang on? And the answer all season to this point has been, yeah. He hasn't been spectacular at almost any point the entire year, but he's been decent all season long. He's number 74, and he's played 64 ball games, so he's even better than that by total. So you just sort of keep going with it until it falls apart. And you're 64 at 82 games into the season. So at this point, even if it falls apart, you got everything you could have hoped for and then some. One of the sneaky best waiver wire pickups of the year. That dude's ranked higher than Devontae Graham. He's ranked higher than Daniel Tice. Duncan Robinson. Some of these guys that get a lot of love, and rightfully so, as waiver wire pickups, and there's Nemanja Bielitsa out in front of all of them. What the hell was that all about? Hey, folks, I got word from the great Mike Pasador. We call him Panda over here at Hoopball. That Hoopball is looking for blurbers again. So hit me up if you want to start your fantasy career at Hoopball. Learn how to write blurbs. You do need to know how to write, meaning you have to be able to write quickly, grammatically correct, efficient sentences. But Michael and the Hoopball team of editors will mold you into a fantasy stud. Get those takes, baby. Let's do this. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris or write Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Folks, if you're going to bet on any of the games we've been talking about, by the way, again, big thank you to Josh Millman on yesterday's show. That one, that one got really nice response on the uh, the social media. Do it at mybookie.ag with promo code TODAY. Mybookie.ag is the website. Promo code TODAY will get you a 50% deposit bonus on whatever your initial deposit is when you open up your account. Again, that's mybookie.ag. The promo code is the word TODAY. Check out Hoopball Gaming. There are over 800 followers on Twitter already. That's crazy. They've only been doing it for like six weeks. Rocking and rolling here at the Hoob. Growing at the Hoob. So we're looking for blurbers today. That's the call to action. Hit me up. We'd love to, we'd love to talk to you. Get a submission from you. We'll need a writing sample. And if, uh, if you've got the passion, there needs to be passion, guys. I cannot stress this enough. The most important thing that you can bring to us here at Hoopball is passion for love of the game. We are still a startup. We need people that want to build, that want to assemble the building blocks. That is hoop ball. We have so far left to go. We've come so far, and yet there's so much left to do. So we need folks that are willing to bust it. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of really putting your elbows into it. And then the reward is, I mean, how many of you guys out there have, have grown a website from scratch? Can be a part of it with us over here at Hoopball. Again, it's at Dan Vespers on Twitter or Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Thanks once again to Brandon Marcus. Uh, we already kind of, I mean, really, I don't want to say anything else on the streaming side. I, I, I don't want people to make moves today. The, the players that played yesterday on Tuesday that are on your team likely play again tomorrow. So whatever moves you're making today are probably just shooting yourself in the foot. Hang on to the moves. Wednesday is not the day for it. We'll do a little bit more discussion on Thursday of what you can do late in the week. But again, we've set this up from late last week, what we're going to do this full week of games. And unless someone pops up that's a big difference maker with a good schedule, and I don't I mean maybe you guys saw it, but I didn't see it in the card we just broke down. Unless that type of guy pops up, 
You shouldn't be making a move when it's not creating additional games for your team. And today, there just aren't that many guys that that create that. There are plenty of teams that have three games the rest of the way. But hopefully we built our stream to where you have a lot of those guys already. The guys you're willing to drop, meaning the stream, the slots you're streaming already, should be guys that still have three games the rest of the week. And hopefully, you know, if you're looking at a team like the Jazz, remember we talked about loading up on Jazz going into the week, that's a team with three games by Saturday. By Saturday. Maybe somebody dropped a Jazz out there. You could do that, and then you could make another move on Sunday. I just, I wouldn't advocate it. You want to save your extra moves in case someone gets hurt, and then if nobody gets hurt on your team, you use them all on Sunday. Power up your lineup. Sunday is a medium busy day. I think there's like five or six games on Sunday, so it's not tiny and it's not super crowded, meaning if you squeeze some extra games out of Sunday, you get up to 56, 57, 58, 59 games in a week out of your team, something crazy huge like that, people are going to have a damn tough time catching you. 50-something games? Maximize those games. That is really it. It's a volume play at this point in the year. Put a pin in it until tomorrow. Tomorrow you're stuck with me. Lucky you, I know. So we'll talk more about streaming on tomorrow's pod, and then we'll wrap it all up on Friday. We'll get you set for rolling into the following week. Friday's show is going to be a big one for folks that want to keep their stuff going, keep their playoffs going, heading into the uh, what would be the semifinals for many of you, and then the opening round for a lot of us is next week. Thanks again to Brandon Marcus. I'm Dan Bespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. Please do drop a five-star review on the pod. We'll read some of those uh, new reviews later on in the week today. I'm just going to let you get back to whatever it is, whatever the hell it is you're doing on your Wednesday. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.